Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Today, the title of my message is Holes in the Presence Using the Key of David. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Let us be stirred, encouraged, invited once again back to the essence, back to the heart of worship. Let us find once again the power of praise and worship as a lifetime. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that our, the eyes of our hearts be opened, just like we sing today, and genuinely transform us. Change our concept and mindset. In Jesus' name, amen. Say amen, everybody. Amen. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Let me give you guys a context. You know, in the Bible, we have letters from Apostle Paul. Letters of Peter. John wrote letters. But in the book of Revelation, the opening of this book, there are some, there are seven letters that Jesus himself wrote, obvious using the feather of John, but was Jesus narrating the letter. And in these seven letters, specifically addressed for seven uh, different churches, we see uh, some review, some praises and compliments, and some correction. Uh, the second to last uh, letter is. Uh, was wrote to this church in Philadelphia. And in verse 7 of Revelation 3 says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One. Je say after me, say, Jesus is the Holy One. Okay, so what is the Holy One? It means that Jesus cannot be categorized in anything. Oh, Jesus is good. No, good is so small to qualify. No, no, no. Jesus is powerful. No, powerful is still weak to, you know, qualify my Jesus. Uh, Jesus is, what is the word? Jesus is holy. Holy means there's no way to categorize him. There's no adjective, no qualification. You can label Jesus because he's holy. He's above everything else. Any word you can choose, he is the holy one. Say, my Jesus is the holy one. So don't dare to put Jesus in anything that is common, that is ordinary. Don't place Jesus in a category of your life of Sunday morning. Don't do that because it's the, he's the Holy One. He is above everything else. Don't put Jesus as that. No, this is my, my religious token that I carry in case I need. No, no, no. Jesus is the Holy One. Are you guys with me? Praise God for that. So the Holy One and the true one, which means that... Without him or out of him, there is no genuine truth. Everything out of Jesus is not stable, is not genuine. It lacks truth. Who has the key of David? Say, key of David. Mm. Key of David. Look how powerful is this key. It is a key that opens and no one will shut. Who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. Obvious is an open door. Because with the key of David, I want open doors for my life. 
I want opportunities that my uh, lecture, my ability of speaking, my business skills, we won't do it, but the open doors of God will bring it to me. This is the sign of the favor of God. I want the grace, the favor coming upon my life. Things that is not my family background, my academic formation. It is about Jesus with the key of David opening for me and creating opportunities that myself cannot create. Are guys with me? We need the key of David. We all need the favor of God in our lives. And for that, we need the key of David. We need this kind of key. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So Jesus is the owner of the key of David. Now let me explain a little bit about the key of David. This is a, a quotation from a, an expression used by a prophet in the Old Testament. A prophet named Isaiah in chapter 22. Isaiah chapter 22 speaks about this key. The key of David. The key of the house of David. That, that we're going to access the chambers of the palace. And this key was given specifically for a steward called Eliakim. Eliakim was the manager of the palace at the time of one of the descendants of David. Um, his name was Hezekiah, the 13th king of Judah. And, and, and Isaiah, while he's prophesying, he's saying that Eliakim will use that key to open doors. So I want to insist a little bit more. What we need to have prosperity, open doors, to have connections, to find the right person in the right place in the right time, open, open door, right? We need the key of David in action in our life. Now, the question is, uh, what that is actually, how can I activate this key of David in my life? All right. To even get even more interest, interesting, is that in the opening of the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1, this is what we read. Jesus is the living one. He has died, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And then, Revelation 1.18, I have the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus not only is the holder of the key of David that opens uh, doors for us, but also he holds all the other keys, even death and hate. He holds and controls everything. Now, what is crazy is that the last letter that he writes to not the, the church of Laodicea, he says something very curious here. Look what he says in Revelation 3.20. He says that he stands at the door and knocks. Wait a minute, Jesus. Don't you have even the keys of death and Hades and the key of David that can open all the doors? Yes, but there is a church. Pay attention to this. This is important. There is a church that left Jesus outside. And even Jesus having the key of David, death and Hades, he's not able to enter in that church because, you know, the doors of your heart has locked just from inside. There's no way Jesus is going to break that door. It's like he could do it. He's powerful to do it. But he decided to not do it. He has all the keys, but not the key of your heart. 
And I know we use these verses to evangelize people that don't know Jesus. But what is crazy is that this letter of Revelation chapter 3 was wrote to a church. So it is possible that we are leaving Jesus outside of our church. It is possible that we are singing to ourselves instead to go back to the essence, to the heart of the worship that is all about Jesus. Our guys with me. And Jesus is just waiting. And now he wants to get in. So once he is in, there inside of our heart, you're going to open your door with the key of David. But until this point, he can do nothing. He can do nothing. Now, I want the key of David. I want to experience the key of David. I want to access all the chambers of the palace, all the, the cabinets with the resources I need to have a better family, a better business, a better man of God. I want to be a better husband, a better father. And it's all inside of the chambers of the palace. Let me prove that to you, Zechariah. The second to last book in your Bible in the Old Testament. The Old, Old Testament prophet, he says, And I will pour it out. This is the promise for us. On the house of David. In the inhabitants of Jerusalem. A spirit of Grace. Say after me, spirit of grace. Inside of the house of David, there is the spirit of favor, the spirit of grace. We should seek more grace. We should ask for multiplied grace upon our, our life. And the pleas of mercy, some versions bring the pleas of worship and praise, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have feared, they shall mourn for him, and one mourns for one child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. So, speaking about the messianic figure of Jesus, once we have revelation of him, we activate, we enjoy all the benefits of the house of David that was unlocked by the key of David. All right, so the key of David opens the blessings of God. The key of David opens in the favor of God upon our lives. Are you guys with me? All right. So the key of David opens the house of David that speaks about favor. Okay. Now there's another expression that is not, so the house of David is not a uh, quote in the New Testament. Interestingly, in the New Testament, the apostles never use the expression house of David. Instead, they decided to quote another thing about David. They spoke about the tabernacle of David. So let me go there with you guys in Acts chapter 15, verse 15. Acts chapter 15, verse 15. That says, oh, you got it there? Okay, let me, let me put you in context. I'm bringing this context because without the context, you can't get it. The church is newborn, just came to existence right now. And initially, the Christian church was a lot Jewish-based, was very Jewish. And suddenly, we start to have inside of the church those Gentile people that had no idea about the rituals and the traditions of the Mosaic law and, and, and the, the regulations. So instead of washing their feet before getting inside of the church, 
Just like I learned from my grandpa that before I come to the synagogue, I should wash my feet. These crazy Greek and Roman Gentiles, they come and they just start to sing and participate of the service. You can't do that. You are supposed to respect Moses' rituals. And the Gentiles, God said, what are you talking about, dude? I'm here because of Jesus. And the confusion starts to, you know, happen inside of the church to the point that the apostles were at the threshold, to the brink of uh, dividing the entire movement, the Christian movement. We almost became simply a sect, a heresy, a small cult inside of Jewish religion. If it was not for the wisdom, praise God for the apostles. Because they could resolve and settle the argument with the word of God. Quoting the scripture. And here it is. Pay attention. The verses that the apostles decided to bring from the Old Testament to settle the argument was a quotation for the, another prophet, Amos. And he says, God always intended that. God always planned that to the church. So instead of reestablishing Instead of building again the tabernacle of Moses, God was always intending to reestablish the falling tabernacle of David. Let's go over there uh, again. Acts 15, 15. And with this, the words of the prophets agreed just as it's written. 16. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle, the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins. And I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes this thing known from of old. Okay. Say how this verse could settle such a big dispute inside of Christianity. Like why? Because you don't understand what he the tent of David. Here it is for historical background. So, in the very beginning of the people of Israel leaving Egypt, God had an agenda with them. God said, I want to bring you all to a huge party in the desert. We're going to have so much fun together. We're going to celebrate together, and I'll come with my glory, and I want to dwell. I want to be hosted among of you. I want to dwell and live with you guys. So pay attention. From Genesis to Revelation, that's the only plan of God. He wants to live with us, within us, among us. That's not by chance that one of the names of Jesus as the Messianic figure is Emmanuel. That means God with us. He wants to be with us, in us, within us, among us. He always planned that. I know that we think that God intended from the beginning bringing the law, but the law is just a subproduct that came because of the messing up in the desert. The whole intention was to build a tabernacle, a, a place where God could dwell. Actually, when Moses went first time to Sinai, he received the blueprint of the tabernacle. It's that very long and boring part that you have to read in the book of Exodus, because it's inch by inch you figured out how the tabernacle was meant to be built. And it's very strange, and you, you and remember that the tabernacle of Moses had a whole ceremony, ritual aspect that you have to follow in order to experience the presence. But they had, that's how Moses learned it. That's how Moses brought it down. And it's interesting because 
the center of the whole worship experience of the tabernacle of Moses was one object. I talked about that, that object last week. It is called the Ark of the Presence, or the Ark of God, or, or some, some version, the Ark of the Covenant. It's that golden book that symbolizes the presence of God on earth, the very presence of God on earth. And the center of the whole worship in the tabernacle of Moses was surrounded, was centering that object. However, it was not for everyone. Only a very exclusive class could enjoy that presence. More specific, the priests, more specific from Aaron lineage. Until we see the Israelites misusing the presence, devaluing the presence, not treasuring, not having a, a passion, a love, an understanding of the presence. And they start to use the Ark of the Covenant as a token, as a shield of protection, almost like a, a, a war a, a, weapon against the enemies and that's why the ark eventually is lost and after the ark is returned i told you guys this story last week what happened david says i want to bring the ark of the covenant to the center of the nation the ark was so amazing because it represented the, the presence of god that for only three months that a guy that hosted the ark his entire family and generation was blessed. You guys remember his name? Very weird character name I said last week. Obed Edom. Obed Edom. He hosted the ark, the presence. He hosted the presence for three months. And his entire family and generation were blessed because of that. To the point that Obed Edom said, you know what? I don't, I don't care if I was an enemy of God. I don't care if I was the Philistine. I know one thing. Wherever the ark goes, I go together because the presence opens door. Mm, the presence brings the key of David that opens door that no one can shut. So I don't care. I, I, look, I, I can't give a, a good education for, for my kids. But better is to give the presence to my kids. Because the, the presence opens doors for my kids that no academic uh, achievement and graduation and, and, and gra gonna give them i know that good education good formation is important but most important is the passion is the value give to the present i'm repreaching what i said now we're going to continue the story that i started last week so david finally it's able to bring the ark to jerusalem but instead of building exactly like moses with all the rituals and proceeds, uh, procedures to get into the presence, to get close to the ark, David built a simple tent and says, anyone, Gentile, Jewish, visitors of Jerusalem, anyone can enjoy the presence. Any person with one single condition. David brings something brand new, revolutionary. That was not seen in any other religion. David brings music before the present. And that is what he means, the tent of David. So I translated for you what is the key of David that opens the house of David that speaks about favor. But if you really want to enjoy the experience of David in the presence of God, you have to experience the tent of David. The tent of David speaks of a life of worship. It's a lifestyle of worship. And I dare to say this simply because 
also as boring as it is to read in Exodus all the little details of the tabernacle of Moses, when you get in Chronicles and you start to read the schedule that David had established for Levites and musicians to be before the ark, you're going to learn that he established 24-7. This was a, just to wake you guys up. 24-7 music before the presence. He says, I want to, I want to, people enjoy the presence of God the same way I have experienced. And we all know this. Among many things that David is known about, one thing nobody is going to deny. He's known because he was a musician. He was a true worshiper. He cared to be before the presence in praises, with songs, with melody. Actually, he was found by Samuel while he was singing to the Lord with his heart. He was, he was this, this great writer of the song. Almost 80% of the psalms were wrote by David as, as songs and music and lyrics to praise God. And he understood that God dwells among the praises, that the home of God, the place where God has freedom to move, has to do with music. So, tent of David, death, James used it to settle a great problem inside the church. He says the church, the new movement of God, Christianity. Every time Christians gather, they were meant to rebuild. They are meant to reestablish the tent of David. In other words, the atmosphere where Christians gather has to have the similar experience that those people were having before the tent of David, which means music, my friend. That's not by chance that when you meet Christians, you're going to find music. You're always going to find someone preaching, someone singing, because it has to do with the presence of God. Sometimes you're going to find some food, but the most important thing is preaching and singing. This is part of, of our experience of the presence. Now, let me insist with this. Most of you guys that are listening to me, you didn't come to the church because you like my haircut, even though it's awesome. Or, or you didn't like much of our church building. I know you don't like this low ceiling of our church. I know it bothers you, just claustrophobic. Like, you feel, uh, it's weird. I, I feel weird. Like, I'm not so tall, and I feel so tall here. We deserve a high ceiling building. Come on. Very high ceiling building. Anyways, anyways, so uh, you didn't come because our kids' service, even though you care for your Christian education, you're passing on to your kids. Honestly, most of you guys came because you felt something. You experienced something that you couldn't explain. Someone told me, Pastor, this few weeks ago, Pastor, I have so many questions. I don't know how to translate even my questions, but I know that I have experienced the presence of God in the church, in my group, I just can't explain. I said, that's awesome. That's, that's enough. If you're going to be just like the blind man said, if it was a sinner or not, I don't know. One no, I think is that I was blind and now I see. That's enough. If you're able just to say, I had experienced the presence, that's enough. But, but it is important to understand that once you experience the, pro, the, the presence, things happen. Prosperity comes. Health reaches your body. 
soundness to our mind comes to you wisdom, insight, solutions for problems that you try Google and you couldn't find it. But it comes to you because you are in the present. Because in the present, there is the key of David. In the present, you enjoy deliverance from your enemies. In the present. Now, speaking about the present, that has to do with the tent of David, that has to do with music in your life, that has to do with thanksgiving, gladness, expression with words of praises. I have to say that this is not natural to you. I'm going to say what is natural to you. There was me in the car, the bunch of teenagers, and someone say, I had to go to the bathroom. And someone say, you, don't say this. I say, why not, man? This is the most common thing that happens with every human being. You die and you go to the bathroom. And I say, I think you deserve a point just because of this wisdom. Everybody goes to the bathroom and die. Okay, that's, that's the human condition. But I'm going to add one more item in the human condition. You know what is natural for every human condition? Complaining. We all complain. And we learned this very easy. You were there in that state of nirvana inside of your mom's womb. Eating, drinking, sleeping. Whenever you wanted, you were there in peace. Until somebody took you out and slapped your butt. Now you complain, my brother. And you learn complaining as a lifestyle. So what is natural for you is wake up every morning complaining. Just, just mad. Just give me the words for someone that wakes up bad. Frustrated. Grumpy. They're just like, I don't want to wake up. You know, and when it's time to sleep, you say, I don't want to sleep. Right? So it's always this thing like we're very easy complainers. Are you guys with me? Because complaining is an organic, natural human condition that everybody has it. So let me say something. Worship, praise it, singing melody of thanksgiving will not happen because you have the desire when you wake up in the morning. It is supernatural. It is above the natural. What is natural is complaining. The antonym of, of complaining means praise it, means thanksgiving. And you know who complains? I'm going to say who complains. It's those that did not understood the spirit of grace. It is those that did not welcome the presence. Because you are so full of self-righteousness that you think, I deserve better husband. That's why I complain. I deserve a better wife. I deserve a better life. I deserve, you deserve nothing. You deserve hell. But that's because you don't have revelation about it. You complain. Only those that are under self-righteousness complain. But those that are under the spirit of grace inside of the house of David, they worship. They praise. They live a lifestyle of praises. Now again, guys, let me be very practical here because I'm relating all this. Key of David, house of David, tent of David for just Two simple teachings. Okay, I'm closing my message with super simple, super practical. Okay, so the life of David was remembered, was uh, had a, a, a simple aspect in his life. He surrounded himself with worship, with music, okay, with melody to the Lord. So do yourself a big favor during the month. Try it out. See if it works. Clean up your Spotify playlist from all worldly songs and decide for just one month. I dare you to do that. 
to clean your YouTube music playlist from all worldly rap songs that just fill your mind with hatred, with comparison, with desires for things that you actually don't need. Clean it up, and I dare you to only sing, listen, repeat, resound, sing together, worship songs, Christian songs. Uh, Pastor, is this a law? No, but this month you're going to be. Now, I won't, I won't establish law because law you always are going to break. But try it out. I just, again, I challenge you to try it out and see if you're not going to start to see the action of the key of David opening doors around you. I dare to say even more. For those that are struggling with these backsliding children, parents that are struggling uh, you know, with their crazy children and, and wives that are praying for their husband and situation that needs salvation. You know, when James quoted Amos, uh, the prophet, about the tent of David, one of the signs where the tent of David comes is salvation. Salvation happens wherever the tent of David is established. So I pray, I want that whoever comes to the doors of my house they're going to perceive an atmosphere that is just the presence of God. And they're going to say, what in the world is going on in this house? This is so good. I want what you guys have. I want this Jesus. The tent of David attracts people to salvation. Brings the Gentile to the Lord. The lost to be found. The blind to see. Always. Now, how you do this? Simple like this. You're going to have the discipline to not open your mouth to complain, but to worship, to praise. So you are, again, at the brink, at the threshold. You are almost complaining again, okay? But instead of doing that, you're going to praise God. My boys, uh, they had established this little joke between them, this little game, that if there is a useless, uh, and usually it's always useless, but, like, there's no reason for a complaint. It's not like an actual physical pain. It's not actually like an accident that you are hurted and you are just needed, you know, medicine. If you complain, you're going to receive a flick in your ear. Like they said, the middle finger flick in your ear, like the most strong one. Yeah, that's how they translated to me. You guys don't want to receive my flick in the ear. Anyway, so we don't need that. What we need is, man, this traffic, hallelujah, Jesus, I'm going to turn my radio right now. And I'm going to worship him. I'm going to use the extra minutes that I have nowhere to go. And I'm going to praise him. Oh, I'm hungry. This food doesn't come. My wife doesn't cook. Hallelujah. I'm going to use this extra time to praise God. To exalt the name of the Lord. I guarantee you, your house is not going to be the same. Your car is not going to be the same. Your, your cravings for worldly things are not going to dominate you anymore. I dare you. Now, again, this is one of another word that is hard to insist without the testing on. All right, number two. And to do this, I need to just to create a, a little um, story to convince you a little bit. So, 2016, June, my little one went to heaven. I get crazy. My mind is out of my My mind comes out of my brain, if you understand. I had a brain but not a mind for a period of time. It's, it's so crazy when you are in that state of grief because of the loss of, of the son that uh, even today, Pastor Tulli and Pastor Calisto, which were very close to me at the time, on, on those days, and I believe they were surrounding me on those days because 
They were afraid that I would do something even crazier than I was doing. And sometimes they come with the stories of things that I was doing at the time that I can't remember. Because, again, I had a brain but not a mind. And, uh, but one thing that kept me sober, give me a word, kept me my, my, my sanity, that kept my sanity during my brief time is this simple prayer. I decided to read out loud the psalm. I know I told this before, but I, ha- I have to experience this. Okay, how it worked? How did it work? Simple like this. I had no words to pray and no willing to pray, even preaching, not at all. But because of that, I would repeat out loud the song. I would read out loud the song. There were days that I would read the entire song. There were days that I would read two songs, but there were days that I would just read the first verse of one song. Now it stayed there. Now I repeat it again. And I will repeat it again. And I will repeat it again. Until that melody, that song, that burst of praises will substitute my grief, complaining, justice, unfair, my, my sense of loss, my, my sense of justice and self-righteousness. It will take all that trash out of my heart and fill my heart with healing, with balm of healing and this this sense of uh, consolation and, and it was just like that but together I always had music around Christian music uh, 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 praise and worship music I'm telling you if you need wisdom if you are literally out of your mind now you are getting into a new season that you don't know what to do with your life and I know I speak prophetic right now that some of you guys are graduating from college and you don't know what to do with your life. Some of you guys are thinking right now, what I do with this marriage? I have tried everything and I don't know what to do anymore. Let me say something. I dare you. Just fill your house, your life as a lifestyle for work. Like this, make this decision and add one psalm a day. One psalm a day. I know we have 150. There's some greater and smaller. But at least during the month of August, in the next, how many days we have in August? The next few days in August. Just, just, just come before the present. And I'm telling you, once you activate the key of day that opens the house of David, you will experience the tent. The tent of David, the present, to restore you. You give sanity again. Peace that nothing in this world can ever give you. I'm telling you, it's not, it doesn't need to be 24-7. The 24-7 establishment of David is just to show us it is a lifestyle. It, it is just like a symbol of saying, take this all day long. And I, let me repeat this. This do not happen naturally to you. This, this doesn't happen because you wake up willing to. Let me close this message with you guys. Reading one of the psalms, at least a portion of it. Let's go to Psalm number three. Please stand in your feet. Psalm number three. Verse one. O Lord, how many are my foes? 
many rising against me. What I love about the Psalms is this honesty. God is not afraid of our humanity. God is not surprised with our humanity. And the psalmist keeps saying, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Verse 3, but you, O Lord, are shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my heart. Yeah, I recognize God, there are problems all over my life. But God, you still important. God, I decided to praise, to worship, thanksgive your name, God, because you are still God. I cried aloud to the Lord. Verse 4. He answered me from his holy gift. It's almost impossible to speak about worship and not remember the story of Silas and Paul in the jail. Right? When they were in jail, instead of complaining against the apostles in Jerusalem, instead of saying, this is not fair, we are here in the mission field, and there he is, Peter and John, they're in Jerusalem, come on. No, no, instead of, they decided simply to worship, praise God. And you know what happened? When Paul and Silas Open their mouth to sing a melody with bruises in their body, with fever burning because of the, the hurts and the cuts in their bodies. The Bible says that God got into the song together in the key of David, pay attention, that opens doors that no one can shut were activated. Open all the chains, all the chains. Everyone had their bound unfestered. And you know the rest of the story? The tent of David was established in a, such a powerful way that the jail man, the manager of the jail, got saved. Because that's what happens when the tent of David is established. Salvation. Hope, restoration, with your eyes closed. The next minutes of this service, I know already past the time, but for five minutes only, let me invite you to join me into speaking and experience the present through worship, through melody, through songs. And as we sing in the next five, six minutes, I want to, you, just forget for these minutes, this moment, all your troubles. And cast on Jesus and lay on Jesus all your worries. 